This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode. I'm Jonathan London, your host. And if this is your first Geekscape, we'll strap yourselves in for some real big pop culture talk. Uh, we're specifically talking this episode about the recently finished Obi-Wan Kenobi series. That's the first season. I don't know if there's going to be another season, but it just wrapped up on Disney+. And Ian's here to talk all six episodes of it with me. Uh, what did y'all think? Feel free. The chat is open. If you're watching this live, it's on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch. And if you're dropping those resumes, it's on LinkedIn. Uh, this is Geekscape. We love talking pop culture. You're going to get a normal Geekscape episode later in the week uh, with some news and reviews and maybe an interview. Uh, but this one is dedicated just to Obi-Wan Kenobi. So if you haven't seen all six episodes, they're going to get spoiled pretty heavily. You know how Ian does it. He's a passionate geek. That's why we love him. And he's also the encyclopedia of all things pop culture. So he's going to be dropping a lot of knowledge. You're not going to want to miss this episode. I do want to pause real quick and tell you all about our sponsors for the month, NordVPN. Geekscape's brought to you by the good folks at NordVPN. Go to www.geekscape. <laughs> That's not right. That's not right, Jonathan. They can go to Geekscape if they want. We're going to put up an article about Stranger Things this week that you're going to, it's going to refresh you for these upcoming 4.5 episodes. But this episode of Geekscape is brought to you by our good friends at NordVPN. Go to www.nordvpn.com Geekscape. They're going to give you a one month free on your subscription. Uh, they've got some incredible protection for your computer. And uh, yeah, you probably need a VPN with everything that's happening governmentally right now uh, in the U.S. Seems like the empire's taken over. So you're probably going to want a VPN for your computer uh, to keep freely uh, browsing and going to those sites. Okay, so NordVPN is going to hook you up. Use Geekscape at the checkout, nordvpn.com slash Geekscape. That's all I got. Let's start the show. All right, Geekscape, let's not delay on this one. We have a ton to talk about uh, with this Star Wars series on Disney Plus, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, I have mixed feelings. I think Ian Kerner has mixed feelings, but I'll tell you what, after thinking it was an unnecessary series and being like, hey, why'd they make this? Is it really enjoyable? You know what? Let's not complain about cotton candy here on Geekscape. They gave it to us. It's to enjoy. 
And I'll tell you, in the end, I really actually did enjoy it. But I'm going to go ahead and bring my friend Ian Kerner in here. Uh, again, this is the Obi-Wan Kenobi season special, so we are going to spoil a ton of stuff. Ian, how are you, man? Hello there. <laughs> Why, hello there. <laughs> how are you? Um, so, Ian, uh, let me lead you so, through some of these talking points as we get through it. Um, I have them open here in front of me. I like to make an outline for Ian and I. So we don't go all over the place? <laughs> we, yeah, and I got to apologize. Geeks gave us some of the Ian episodes because we're both super excited about this stuff. Sometimes they get a little rambly. We're going to try and keep this one organized. Uh, we're going to talk about the series overall, and especially the, the Star Wars universe going into the Obi-Wan series, where all the characters were at the end of probably uh, the Clone Wars or Rebel series. Uh, is that right, Ian? In, in yeah. The, those are the cartoon series. And then we're going to go episode by episode, and then we're going to wrap up with everything. But uh, yeah, buddy, I, I think that's a good place to start. Like, Well, well let's just say, first of all, that, that, that Clone Wars and Rebels, you know, I mean, I know it's a lot more involved than just watching movies, but there are definitely a lot of people that consider themselves big fans that haven't watched those shows, and they are absolutely part of continuity. Yeah, and, and now that you have um, a lot of those creators coming over and working on these Disney Plus series, because it's almost entirely a lot of those writers. Well, Filoni was... Yeah, Dave Filoni ran, you know, both of those shows. And, you know, he runs The Mandalorian. Um, he's running Ahsoka. Ahsoka's going to be very tied in to the uh, stuff in Rebels. So, um, yes. for people that haven't It's watched, worth watching. Yeah. And, and they're great. I watched... But, I watched Clone Wars and enjoyed it. I think Rebels is probably better. I think they're both great. I've been rewatching Clone Wars and will rewatch Rebels with my stepson. And so we're almost mm-hmm. done with Clone Wars. And honestly, back in the day, I remember finding Clone Wars, I thought it started slow and got really good. But rewatching it, it starts off pretty good. You know, it just, but it definitely gets even better as it goes. You know? So I, going into episode one, just tell me where all the. Pieces are so the show's ten years after episode three, right? Okay. So in terms of what other stuff we've gotten that is canon, um, well, Bad Batch is right after episode three. It flows right out of that uh, season seven of Clone Wars, which they did later. They, season seven of Clone Wars actually didn't come out after Rebels because it had been canceled. And they went back and did it, and it actually sets up Bad Batch. It also gives us a four-part episode. It's literally showing us where Ahsoka is during episode three. Okay. And why she's not in that film, but now she's... Gets in everything. As for why, well, everything that happens in season five of Clone Wars affects her status. She's... I don't want to ruin it for anyone that intends to watch it, but... Well, I guess with this show, we're doing spoilers. She leaves the Jedi Order. Ahsoka does. Ahsoka does. Yeah, but it's still, she's still, you know, enough of and working with the clones and all that. So, um, but in Rebels, again, I mean, I'm telling people to watch it. They haven't watched it. I don't, you know, but I mean, look, here's the thing. Here's spoilers, right? Um, I'm, what I'm about to say, I think is actually a major motivating factor at this point for people to go ahead and watch Rebels. There's a whole big mystery early in Rebels about someone called Fulcrum who's behind pretty much forming the Alliance, Ahsoka is Fulcrum. And so Ahsoka sure. becomes a giant part of Rebels. You don't know it in the first season. I think they'll look later. Okay. So she's a giant. She's very, she's in Rebels a lot. So including a Vader fight. So you would think like she and Bail Organa are probably like at this point, 10 years later, in some stages of creating a 
rebellion. Now, so 10 years in, you have a lot, you know, what you see in, um, sorry, so we were going through the list of things. So um, with Rogue One, we see two different periods, right? We see, you know, when uh, Generous is a, a young girl, that I believe is around five years, it's probably about five years before this, maybe something like that, maybe a little bit before that even, maybe only a couple of years into the Empire. Um, but what we know, so Saw Gerrera is we see young Saw Gerrera fighting against um, the Separatists in Clone Wars. Okay. And that explains how he got kind of the organic or the, the robotic stuff on his body. No, no, you don't see that there. Um, but it's just that as a character, so, you know, he existed. So when they used him in Rogue One, it's a nice callback. But what we know and what we see a lot of in Rogue One is there's a lot of infighting because the Rebels, they're not an organized thing. There's different factions and all that. So it took time and effort. And Mama, Fama, Bail Organa, bringing all that together. Listen, it's been speculated by some people that if Alderaan hadn't been destroyed because of the different factions... You know, everything came together under Mon Mothma, but, you know, Bail Organa and Mon Mothma had different views on things, and the Rebels might not have had it together enough to actually win. So Bail Organa almost had to be sacrificed. I mean, no one knew that or thought that at the time, but it, it's an argument that's been made that maybe that actually ended up in some way helping them. It also, it, it hugely drove up, um, like, anyone that was from Alderaan that wasn't on Alderaan joined the Rebel Alliance, right? Sure. Like, um, uh, what's her face? Um, Cara Dune, you know? I'm blinking. No, um, I'm, I'm talking about it from Mandalorian. Oh, yes, Cara Dune. Oh, yeah, that's why we haven't seen her. Yeah. <laughs> is, from Alderaan, right. she joined up because Alderaan got destroyed. Yeah, yeah, and then sadly, you know, the career got destroyed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't think we see her again, you know, but, I mean, whatever. It's, you know, she's yeah. a fighter. It's fine. But the point is, that it, it speaks to, you know, events that happened, things that the Empire did that, you know, maybe not, you know, Grand Moff Tarkin destroying all the wrong, just ostensibly a peace-loving planet, galvanized a lot of, you know, people, you know, behind the scenes against the Empire. Let's start focusing on the series that we have. We've got uh, the Inquisitors. I kind of want to know about them. Like, how much so, are they see around? The Inquisitors are actually a bunch in Rebels. And, you know... I've always struggled with this idea of, you know, the, the rule of two of the Sith, but there are only two. So I'm always like, all right, I get the idea is that the Sith, you know, will keep fighting each other. So they, they instituted this rule of two. And I believe it was Darth Bane, you know, ages ago that did that because, you know, otherwise, you know, so there's a master and apprentice. But of course, the apprentice is always eventually going to look to overthrow the master, you know? Right. But where it always gets weird is there's always seeming apprentices. You know, you had Asajj Ventress. You know, um, you, or these, you call them Dark Jedi. You have the Inquisitors. They're being taught. They're basically Sith, but they're technically not Sith. I mean, to me, I think it's sort of a, it's a bullshit thing. You know, it's like they're, they're jerking around about it, you know. But they're all force sensitive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, literally, why are they not Sith? They're just not, you know. It's like it's, it's a question okay. about how much they're training them, how much, you know, what they're teaching them, you know. Are they actual straight up apprentices or not? But they are set. They, well, they, they're they're dark Jedi. They're using the dark side of the Force, and they're being loyal to the Empire, and they're being used. You know, I mean, as to whether or not they're Sith, it's you know what becomes of them. Are they just fodder? You know, Vader yeah. at different times, and you have comics as well as you know, um, you know, cartoon stuff. You know, 
he's generally sort of very dismissive of them. But, you know, they're still they're working for him. So, you know, and, and the big thing that, you know, as we watched Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I don't know if you want to break it down by episode by episode, but, but, but I'm saying we, we did see the Grand Inquisitor in Rebels. Okay. So not to jump ahead, but, you know, when he seemingly died, we're like, well, that doesn't make sense. So, of course, everything ended up making sense. It seemed pretty unceremonious for his exit to happen. But the other two that are with him, the third sister and the fifth brother, uh, are they in Rebels? Do we see them in Rebels or any other uh, um, maybe books? I, well, I can't speak for all the books. I've read some of the books. I haven't read all of them. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, most of the books, well, it, it, keeps, it keeps getting tricky with what's canon and what isn't, right? But anything sure. that's been that's come out since um, episode one is canon. Got it. Yes. Okay. So, Everything post nineteen ninety nine. Um, no. Well, because you had the Dark Horse books still. Yeah. yeah so those are. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Definitely. Since Disney bought Lucas in, is Rogue One the first? Since Disney. No. Rogue, Rogue One came out after episode, no, Rogue came, uh, oh, uh, episode seven. Is the first right? Yeah, uh, episode seven. That's yeah, what yeah. yeah, after episode I think everything episode so I guess seven anything on, that everything post Disney is canon, right? And they're 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 pick they're they they have the advantage of being able to pick and choose what they're bringing over, like Admiral Thrawn and right. So Thrawn was introduced in you know in a book series that goes back to the nineties. That was my reintroduction to Star Wars. That was all we had back then. Lucasfilm said, "Hey, this book series, this is canon." This is going to be the continuation. We get Admiral Thrawn, who was an Empire Admiral, and there's this great trilogy, and later there's another duology of this amazing, you know, strategic genius, you know, that's trying to, you know, keep the Empire going with this fleet, right? And then suddenly it's, oh, that doesn't count. But then you have Dave Filoni, so Thrawn is a big part of Rebels. Okay. So that made a canon again. So Thrawn counts. Not necessarily the book series that's later... But the character exists and counts. But characters that were introduced in that that era, like Mara Jade and stuff like that, that fans love, they don't count until we see them. Yeah, and I think I think they have the advantage of being able sure. to bring them up when they need them. Right. Um, so okay. So and use them suddenly counts. That's what happened with Thrawn. And Thrawn, that there's been a comic series, you know that that counts because it's you know it's put out by Marvel, it's Disney, you know it's continuity. Um, and you know, he's been rebels and he's mentioned in the Mandalorian episode with Ahsoka because, you know, the way rebels ends, it's set up that Ahsoka searching for Thrawn and also who Thrawn has with him. So one thing I wanted to ask, and this, this can lead us to the Moses Ingram conversation is that when I saw, first saw Reva, one thing, or really, well, what I wanted to say was that the thing that made Thrawn really special when we were like reading those early Timothy Zahn books was that the Imperials were strictly like racist. Like they were human only, they were male only for the most part. And that Thrawn succeeding in their hierarchy actually said a lot about him. Yeah. But it seems like with Disney, there is... No, that, that still exists. You know, um, yeah, it, it does. The Thrawn miniseries, it's a comic miniseries, it's basically his origin. It, it's, still, it's in there. Yeah. But now we have Reva who a lot of fans were like, wait a minute, what the hell? But they also did that with any female of color or female that's been joining Star Wars. It's a frustrating thing. And I don't know if it's just, I don't think it's just Star Wars. I mean, I think that the thing about Star Wars is 
it's just so generationally such a big deal that you have all kinds of people, you know, that are fans. And sure. so it's really disappointing when you have the kinds of people that, you know, we don't really want to know that happen to be those fans. I, I got to tell you, I get on the Geekscape page on, on Facebook sometimes, and there will be posts that I put up, these memes that some of them you send me, and I'll share them, uh, like the one about Batman capitalist in, in Robin that was recent. That thing got like 7 million impressions, and I'll end up with some people up there saying some kind of MAGA stuff about everything and that starts the big debates which i think also helps it get to seven million impressions but i gotta tell you geekscape is get on there yeah you can't you can't throw something out into the fandom and and if something gets massively popular pick which fans pick it up yeah sadly because there are some bad apples here yeah political conversations are difficult you know and as a general rule i'll say it's okay for people to have different political opinions it does get kind of tricky when the politics seem to be um, limiting other people's, you know, way of life and existence. And, you know, I mean, you know, anything that's starting to get to racism and things like that. I mean, I just the joke on the Star Wars point is the Empire is the bad guys. They're the fascists. Right. You know, so the idea that Star Wars fans would actually have, you know, perspectives that line up with the empire is comical. I saw a uh, meme this past week after the Supreme court reversal and it was Thanos snapping his fingers. And I was like, is that really the person that you want to fucking agree with is Thanos? Yeah. Y'all don't know what you're talking about. Unbelievable. But you know, so, so Moses Ingram who played Reva, um, actually my family knows her. She, um, her roommate was my stepson's nanny for a while. And she actually, would sometimes like sub in stuff. And there was like a three week period that she was at my house every day. Um, so we know her well. Um, and she's great. You know, I mean, I don't know if you saw the Queen's Gambit. She's brilliant in that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, um, I mean, a Yale grad probably is pretty good at the acting. Yeah. 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 And no, she's fantastic. Um, you know, and so that, that what's frustrating is if there's anything wrong with anything she's done in Obi-Wan Kenobi, it's the script. Yes. And can we talk about that? Like, how did you feel with this that first episode? Because it was a mixed bag, I think, for me. Yeah, I, I think you, you said something early on here, so let, let's address it. Which is, and and this came out in a conversation with with a friend of ours, and and I said it. A friend of ours was sort of going off on the whole thing, and I said, "Look, let, let's just call it what it is." There was nothing about this show that was necessary. Okay, mm-hmm. we didn't need it, and fr- frankly, so episode three ends. And, you know, and this actually comes off the, in, in season six of Clone Wars, you actually see Yoda commune with Qui-Gon and Living Force and learn a lot. So then the whole notion that at the end of episode three, he's saying, and that's sort of leading into episode three. So he's now telling Obi-Wan, yeah, you have work to do. Because the idea is the whole Force Ghost thing that was not a thing before, before Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon's whole thing was he was learning about the Living Force. And so then he from, came back from the Living Force and taught Yoda. And Yoda's He's the first that, person to do it. Yeah, and Yoda's saying to Obi-Wan that he needs to learn to do it. So at the end of episode three, he doesn't know how to do it. He doesn't, he's not going to do it. The whole line in episode four, you strike me down, I'll become you know, more powerful than you can possibly imagine. That's what that is all about. You know, Vader's like, what the fuck just happened here? You know? And you see Luke use it in episode eight. Yeah. 
I, I mean, to, to project himself against the well, first order. Well, it's an argument whether or not that's using the living force. Because he's still alive or not. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's just that, I mean, look, you know, there, Luke is so very powerful and so he has some force abilities. I don't know if I would say it's exactly the same thing. Sure. But you could, you know, I see the point if you're arguing, is he doing something similar because he's appearing through the force? So, yeah, you know, maybe. But, um, so... You know, episode three leaves us with, you know, what seems to be a couple of things that are clear, which is that um, Obi-Wan's going to commune with Qui-Gon and he's going to be learn to become one with the living force. The other thing that is relevant to bring up Rebels is, you know, many people in watching the prequels felt the fight between Vader and Obi-Wan, you know, is so nothing. You're not really using the force and you have all these big force battles right later. And I always like the idea that they're so powerful that they're not even bothering at that shit, you know? And, you know, so when you see the first fight, again, I know we're getting ahead, but, um, you know, but, you know, when this thing starts and the Obi-Wan's cut off from the force, I'm really bothered because not only does it undermine that, but Maul shows up. He's a big part of Clone Wars, which is set up. when, When you see Maul at the end of Solo, that's because he's already come back in Clone Wars. You sure. see how he's come back and he has metal legs and all this stuff. But he actually continues on into Rebels and he's older and he's still looking for revenge in Obi-Wan Kenobi. And they finally meet and they duel in Rebels. Um, it's not a fight. It lasts seconds. Obi-Wan just whips his ass. I mean, I always think of, you know, to reference the comic book stuff, the whole Demetrius... Justice League run where Guy Gardner was always talking shit at Batman and one day <laughs> just decks him and it's one punch. It's like that. It's over so fast. <laughs> it's, like it's not even a thing. It's just like that. And the fans were probably hyped for it. And it was no, it's like, 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 that's it. Yeah. But <laughs> Obi-Wan is that fucking badass. And this is basically right so soon before he meets up with Vader. You know, so it's like, so you know that he has to get to that level. You know, so, you know, so I look at this show and, and I like the idea of this show because I like the idea of this, it's character, you know, and, and we go into this debate a bit about some of the Marvel shows too, you know, it's the, this idea of, you know, people that just want the big action pack extravaganza thing. All these shows aren't maybe for them because yeah, they're longer. You could argue, well, they could have watched that. It just could have been a movie. We didn't need all that. We didn't need all that. That's not the point. The point is it's television. It's character. It's, it's about those arcs. I did enjoy seeing Obi-Wan struggle with, you know, to see Ewan play that, him struggling with the idea that he had this guilt. At the end of episode three, we don't necessarily have a sense that he has all this guilt, but he should, you know? Mm. So he had this guilt. He closed himself off. You know, he was a hermit. I mean, he's stuck alone on this desert planet. That's depressing as fuck. And sure, he would probably blame himself. You know, if he had been there on Coruscant, you know, how would that have gone down with Palpatine? You know? Would Anakin have done what he did with Obi-Wan there? Probably not. Right. And the series opens with that Order 66, which, you know, Disney posted these first two episodes the day after the Uvalde shooting. And watching that Order 66 so quickly after that news story that overwhelmed everything for over 24 hours the entire week was pretty jarring. But Order 66 has a lot to do with this series. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Look, you know... I don't know about you. One of the things I've always struggled with, you know, after um, it's clear at the, when you first see return of the Jedi, but you know, 
even more so after, you know, they came out with the prequels and Lucas said, yeah, well, one through six, it's the rise, fall, and redemption of Anakin Skywalker. I've always struggled with the, hey, you know what? Never mind. I'm good now. You know, with Vader. Yes. You know, yes. like I, I get the interplay. I get the thing. But, but the idea like he's killed. I mean, honestly, one of my favorite things that they did in the show is they definitively show it. You know, it, it, we've already seen it in Rogue One. But Vader's straight up, I mean, those are at least enemy combatants. He's just killing people in a village for no fucking reason. Yes. Just to, just because he can, he's calling out Obi-Wan. He just, he's, I mean, it's fucking evil. You know? And that's an episode that's three, yeah. Go back to the younglings. It's evil. He's evil. But here's the thing. That's the point. And so what the show did do really well, ultimately, was there a need for it? No. But there are certain lines from Obi-Wan that resonate, that that stick with you, that are now shown. You know, Obi-Wan has the conversation with Luke in Jedi, you know, and he says, I once thought as you do, you know, but no, you know, there's, you know, about, you know, about redeeming him and, you know, no, there, there's no good in him. Like, so we see here that conversation, that's the thing, you know, that's the thing that drives it home. You know, it's always been a problem for what they later did you know, really more in um, the prequels that Darth, that Darth is more of a title because Obi-Wan calls him Darth. So he does it again. But Darth is more the title. He really should have said Vader, right? But, you know, it is what it is. That's what was in episode four. So that's what he does again here in, at the end of this when he accepts that he's no longer Anakin. Okay, so... I'm going to bring you back to a couple things. Um, critiques of episode one. I know the Leia chase sequence is on there, but it's good to see Flea. Right. Yeah. That chase sequence yeah. was, uh, we got some problems, I think. Yeah. I mean, there were definitely things that, that that little thing in the forest, it was looks silly. I mean, look, the problem is some of it is the little girl is such great casting, but she's, I think like six instead of 10, you know, she's playing a 10 year old. I mean, and sometimes it comes across, right? I, th- I thought she was one of the highlights of the season. She's fantastic, but yeah. you know, but sometimes she just seems a little, she's young. Yeah, you know, there's an awkwardness I think to that chase scene, and I wonder if it's not part of it is that you know you have this little kid. And how much of that is shot on those digital sets? I think that was shot in a practical forest, was it not? Don't you think they would shoot that in a practical forest? It seemed like it to me, but it's hard. Yeah, hard. To, it definitely seemed like it was practical to me, but you know, I, I don't. I don't know how much of steadfast rule, you know, the, these things are, you know, what the shooting was. Another gripe that I have is they introduced one of my favorite characters in all of Star Wars history now, and they never brought him back. The uh, cheapskate Jawa that talks to, oh, to, to Ewan McGregor to talk to Obi-Wan and tries to con him. Like, that is a good character. I want to see a spinoff show for that guy. He was awesome. Sure. He was such a little dick. That guy was great. Yeah, that was. But, um, you know. You know, I mean, look, I'm amused by you saying that because I also know you, you're so the person like, can we just get the, this new stuff? And I guess that's kind of new, you know, but I mean, when we have conversations, but even the Marvel shows, you know, it's like, all right, um, there's, there's two schools of thought. There's plumbing the depths or, hey, isn't this interesting to do something, you know, that is just not the typical show. And that, that, yeah. that's what I think, you know, across the board, Disney's doing some really cool stuff, both with the Star Wars stuff and the Marvel stuff. You know, and I mean, I like it. So, you know, overall for me, I mean, I enjoy the show. I like that it exists, you know, for those reasons. Um, there's definitely some wonky stuff, 
You know, there's definitely places to drag. There's definitely, you know, I mean, look, you know, we're, we're going to get into some depth conversation, right? You know, clearly the rules on death going back to me, it, it starts with mall, you know, um, it goes to Fennec Shand, you know, mm-hmm. and the grand inquisitor and, and Reva in this, like, I, I yeah. don't know what kills people unless they're really sad. That clearly. Well, Toby McGuire knows. Toby what? McGuire said that stabbing. Yeah, well, Toby McGuire said stabbing isn't shit. Like he's been stabbed before. So like, if you stab somebody in a show, I'm just going to assume that they're good to go. I mean, the weird thing is, you know, the lightsaber is a laser sword, but it doesn't actually cauterize in Star Wars because it's actual blood, which goes back to episode four. Listen, uh, my argument for Fennec Shand is, you know, the gut shot, you know, in our technology, a gut shot, you don't die right away, but you're pretty, you know, you're, you're, you're fucked. So the it's, idea it's that then turning the guts into cybernetics, well, that makes sense because otherwise you'd be fucked. So you've replaced them. That makes sense mm-hmm. to me. You know, that, that, that actually can work. You sure it's just not the, like, you think sure that Wolfman in episode four wasn't just anemic when he gets his arm cut off in the Mos Eisley Cantina? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, you sure that wasn't the only person that's bled when um, the we, see, we see blood in this. Okay, yeah, okay, I'm going to take that off the list. Yep, my theories have been debunked. Um, okay, episode two. Uh, have we we have have we seen Deyu before? The kind of Narshada looking place where uh, where this character Vecno. I don't think so. I think Leia. it was new for for this. Mm-hmm. But you also get uh, the new character Haja, right. um, played by Kamel Najiana. We, we we don't know that guy. We've never no. seen him around. And, and there's some weird, inconsistent stuff with with that character. I thought in the show. Describe that because the one thing I was concerned with was that Reva lets him live. Right, that, that makes no sense to me. I mean, it's like like all right, he's a scammer, but he's a true believer. Okay, I guess. I mean, did we see a redemption? Did that happen too quickly for you? You know, uh, like when we know later that. She, there's actually good in her. No, but I'm not talking about Reva so much. Yeah, we'll discuss Reva in a second, but I'm saying... Oh, when he pops up again and is suddenly all in on the path, um, he seemed like... Yeah, he seems to kind of played inconsistent. He seems written inconsistent. I mean, even... It's always good to see coming Down to, like, suddenly he's watching Leia, and, you know, I figured that, you know, the, the, the bail, you know, um, recording, you know, the thing that Obi-Wan was unbelievably stupid, but I thought maybe he'd play in and he'd be, there'd be a betrayal there. You know, sure. and no, it just gets dropped and found. I was like, okay, you know, yeah. um, that, it surprised me that it, that was that that simplistic. We also know that these scripts completely got rewritten too. Like this is a series that got rewritten, and when they bring in like Justin Marks and Andrew Stanton, Disney's absolutely bringing in big guns on this. Those guys are top of the line writers, especially with the history that they've had at Pixar, etc. Right, Disney. Justin Marks wrote Jungle Book, which I thought was a really good live action with John Favreau. Um, those guys are incredible writers, and but do you see some of the piecemeal nature of a massive rewrite overhaul going into production, where some things ch- some things have to change narratively, but some things maybe because of production scheduling have to be st- kept in place? And there's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I'm not really order. clear. I feel like so the episode three fight with with Vader and and um, Obi Wan. All right, I get it. He's not ready for the fire. But I was like, did you not feel like all right? Okay, there's a fire now. Use the forest, move the fire out of the way, go through the fire. Why is suddenly there's a fire and oh, he get just gets away just like that? And sure. it was suggested to me that was because of reshoots that like they felt it just wasn't working the way it was. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I've heard that because did you not feel that? Like, didn't that just like that's it? The whole fight felt uh, kind of in, it just didn't feel like 
the blocking. It felt like the blocking was strange on characters exiting and entering action shots in different places. And I was like, this is this is really kind of a this is a rough action sequence. And I wasn't getting the gravity of it. I thought the gravity of that episode was when Vader is starting to sacrifice the villagers to put, draw Obi Wan out. I I or love the way it ended. Yeah, he just lets them go. Uh, I love always seeing Indira Varma in a show like i love her the i like the taladurath character um she was great i was rooting for her in every episode <laughs> because it was the path is kind of a cool pre-rebellion storyline that i'd like to see explored some more do you buy the whole the, the, you know in episode four they go in for the rescue and she fine she passes in but then she's just like working at whatever station she wants and whatever it's like she leaves like a knocked out body just stand like in the yeah. middle of a room. It, it felt sloppy, right? It seemed a little flimsy that she was able to just walk up to a station in literally the Fortress Inquisitorius, which is like right. a badass place. Well, it is like, the, I mean, that was it, awesome. I loved the thing. It was yeah. great. I love the listen. Episode four. I was after that Obi Wan Vader fight in Episode three. I was feeling like this was really not a series that I was going to enjoy. It just felt like every time it was building to something it would fall flat and it comes down to like okay there's a cart that stopped at an electric gate they're not going to keep going with the car just walk around the thing like little details like that where i was like guys just come on let's we can't suspend a lot we, we can suspend a lot but we can't suspend that much but the fortress inquisitorious sequence with the water is what really got me back in the series i thought that the struggle with Obi-Wan and having it reintroduced early in the episode where he's trying to move something on the ship, he's going in for the rescue, he's having massive doubts. And then when he, something has to have changed when he saw the vault of dead Jedi. That was a huge scene. And is that what unlocks Obi-Wan's powers and has him capable of holding like an ocean's worth of water back? I, th- I think the argument is that, you know, he's so disillusioned and down and you know, and ultimately what we even see in episode six, is like, yeah, it's, it's interesting because so in the prequels, the whole notion is they're basically monks. Right. And in episode three at the end, Yoda sort of owns, okay, maybe we have to do it differently. So we know Luke doesn't grow up that way. Now, notwithstanding he's starting his training too late, which we're now led to believe in when we see episode one, no too late. Cause yeah, you should have been like an infant, but Mm -hmm. To me, the idea is that what the Jedi did wrong is they just got so detached, they lost sight of what they were about, you know? Um, and and I think that's ultimately what Obi-Wan even says to Owen at the end there. Let him be a kid, you know, and it's going to work itself out. Um, but I thought it was really interesting that, yeah, it's Obi-Wan's feelings that, you know, allow him to really realign himself, I think, with with the Force, bring him back bring him out of his depression and to be connected again. And that's an interesting thing, right? Because it really is. It's about connection. It's being connected to the force, which is all about all living things, right? The connection between all living things. So if he's feeling disconnected, he's kind of disconnected from that, right? Were there any Jedi in that vault that were recognizable from any other um, Jedi? I didn't notice any. Now, I do want to say that um, in the episode before, they named drop Quinlan Voss, which is a really cool big deal. Um, Why so? So Quinlan Voss was a character that we see him in the prequels uh, in the background. Um, when Dark Horse started doing the comics that were immediately, you know, like right when episode one came out, 
Um, Quinlan Voss was a big character there. And he, he is very, he the guy with the big head or is the guy with the squid? The one that looks like a Native American. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and he's basically a, a you know, stereotype of Native American. He's an amazing tracker. He tracks the force and all that. But, um, and the way the stories have gone and they, they, apparently they, they've done books on him recently. So he's, he's definitely part of continuity again, but they always had Quinlan Voss. He'd gone undercover for a long time. And he's dancing around with um, the notion. And, and he's like, in episode one, he's actually on Tatooine in the background. And Qui-Gon doesn't acknowledge him because he's under, he's actually undercover. That's cool. Yeah. And in episode two, when they go to rescue them on Geonosis, he's, he's in the battle in the arena. What do we have here in episode three? That so we're there's gonna... a name drop that Quinlan Voss was there using the path to get people out. Name. So, so basically, there's a statement that there they are, ten years in. Quinlan Boss is still out there. That's that is cool, uh, and that's something that Tyler drops. In that one, Obi Wan says it. He sees Obi Wan says he's the mark on the wall. I mean, they didn't do that by yeah. Yeah, no, so. that's a, that's a, that's a actually maybe we see him later. But that was a really cool shout out. Uh, I got to tell you that hallway sequence with the cracked windows that really kicked it up for me. But for me, that was something. All right, Obi Wan trying is using the Force, and that yeah, and honestly, even in that episode. He starts doing, you know, the lightsaber movements. He's deflecting bolts. And he's yeah. doing the, sort of what I would call the signature Uwen Obi-Wan movements. Oh, he's just riding a bike again. The the young actress who plays young Leia, I think, really helped make that episode in the torture sequence. Yeah. Was really tough to watch. Uh, she was great. So I have a question for you. Something that bothered me a lot. So from the get-go, the idea of using Leia, you know, to draw him out really bothered me. And the reason it bothered me is I don't quite buy this idea. Hey, Obi-Wan worked with Bail Organa during the war. Kinda. I mean, some. So let's kidnap his daughter. That's going to drag, you know, draw Obi-Wan out. Notwithstanding who she really is, is what draws him out. But do you know what I mean? I didn't quite buy that. And more to the point, what bothers me is, I mean, these are the people that are hunting Jedi and hunting Jedi, you know, force sensitive children. And, you know, it's an interesting thing because in episode six, we find out, oh, yes, you know, after episode five, there is another. Yeah, you know, Leia has the force also. She could do it if Luke can't. That's the whole conversation between them, right? He, she says, you have a power I can never understand. Yes, you can. The force is destroying my family. So they pretty much saying, yeah, Leia's always had the force too. And suddenly what's been, she's daring. She's a good shot. She's all these things, you know. Is any of that before us? I never felt that way in episodes four, five, and six. But in this, I think it's pretty clear she's force sensitive. She has that precocious force, you know, ideas about, you know, and how to fix things and all that, like Anakin. In episode five, for sure. In episode five, when she's trying to fix the gate or the the the, the way get them to escape, you for sure total have. call back to Anakin in episode one. And I think her back and forth with Riva in episode four, which I thought was really great. All the things of her sense, sensing things and people being honest and all that, that's all, you know, implied force ability. So my point is that, do they not see that this kid is force sensitive? <laughs> Reva just was like, I got my goal. Yeah, that's all. Some of that stuff is muddied. Ultimately, I'll tell you what ultimately, I mean, if it was in Star Wars and very specifically the way it works with Vader and Palpatine, I would be screaming bullshit. But ultimately, all these things going in for episode one, I'm going, well, it worked once. Wouldn't they then know to do it again? But the idea of Palpatine saying at the end, oh, your feeling's right on this. And it's pretty much straight up. Nope. Got to let it go. 
It was straight up. Vader had to let go of looking for Obi-Wan. It's like somebody see me and like, bro, she's no good for you. She's not worth it. Like, is Palpatine just a good bro? No. Palpatine doesn't trust that. Look, it's the old line of fine line between, you know, thin line between love and hate. Mm-hmm. Palpatine doesn't trust that if he's so obsessed with Obi-Wan, what is that really about? You know, you could say it's hate, but does it not mean that Obi-Wan could maybe pull him back? Yeah, that could be what the Emperor is afraid of. Shouldn't be that important if he's all in. Right. That is a good call. And ultimately, that's what we see, right? Because even the whole thing, he's chasing Luke. He's going to get Luke for the Emperor. And ultimately, that blows up, right? So I said that that sequence with the hallway and the glass totally repaired any doubts I had about the series. And I knew I was going to enjoy the rest of it, if only on like a Star Wars spectacle level. Part five has a pretty fucking awesome spectacle when Vader holds the ship midair. That was awesome. I, I love that. Um, you know, I, there were people that said, oh, it's like copying the Thanos, you know, pulling the moon thing. But, you know, I felt that, you know, we've all said, all right, Rogue One was that finally seeing Vader be badass. But particularly in the extended universe, and even in the comics that are canon, you see Vader do these giant acts, like that he's that powerful, you know, pulling ships out of the air, using the force to fight them. But how does he not see the other ship? Well, it's, it was right behind yeah, him. Yeah, but like one of them revealed yeah. and it was... Listen, you can argue, well, he got the one, couldn't do the other, but, you know, ostensibly it, it's an act of will of doing it and it's really... Oh, yeah. You get text. Yeah, I mean, look, the big thing in episode two with the fruit, like he's he's really powerful, but there's a nuance to it. Nuance is hard, you know, with, with him with Padme with the fruit. It's not, you know, it's not, nuance isn't, isn't so easy. It's more, you know, the sudden acts are easier, you know? Um, Jabim, where that takes place, uh, have we seen that in any other Star Wars, that Jabim, that planet where the path is using to get people out of there? I, I don't, I thought Jabim was made up for this. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. just asking because you know, yeah. you know the lore and I, yeah, yeah, I, right. I like those story. I like those little Easter eggs. Yeah. Every now and then, you know, you see something. Honestly, I like the idea that there were, there were planets that we weren't accustomed to. Agreed. Agreed. Some people argued, well, shouldn't it be on tattoo? And I was like, but should it be on Tatooine? And, you know, listen, the argument, I actually Absolutely. had a argument the other day about Tatooine, you know, because everyone's like, oh, it's everything's tattooed. It's like, you know, Tatooine is supposed to be, it's the outer rim. The idea, it's very clearly said, first of all, even in episode four, the idea of, you know, like even that Han Solo, not necessarily believing in Jedi, you know, like it's, you know, the Empire does not straight up control Tatooine. You know, in episode one, they're saying, even in terms of the Republic, like, there's still slavery because it's far out. It's not close. It's not mm-hmm. part of galactic center where all the with civilization is, you know. Right. And that's the thing. Remember, that's the idea. Of it. It, it, it's like it's that unsettled thing. It gives it that Western feeling. Yeah, that's when Star Wars, I think, is at its best. And I think Mandalorian season one's proof of that. And I think that that's the thing. So they go back to Tatooine because that's what we all love the most because that's what was in episode four. But no, this is a big galaxy. There's a lot more going on, a lot of other things. Honestly, one of the great things about the Clone Wars series, you know, for people that haven't watched it, um, pretty it's usually in arcs that are like four episodes long, but it goes all over the place. Like you'll have it's following Luke, uh, excuse me, Anakin and Ahsoka's his Padawan and Obi-Wan. You know, sometimes you'll get a story about, you know, the bounty hunters on their own. 
You know, mm-hmm. you get Boba Fett stories, your young Boba Fett stories. You get Padme stories, Jar Jar. The droids have stories on their own in this whole episode arc. So just the droids and they're somewhere else, you know? So it goes all over, all kinds of planets. You get things on Dathomir, you know, with Ventress yeah. and, you know, and you know, Savage Opress, who is um, Darth Maul's brother. And, you know, and you, you end up finding that that actually, you know, both Asajj uh, Ventress is actually a member of the race of that the Dathomir witches come from, which has been in the extended universe and the canon books. Um, they're they're basically dark, dark force witches. And aren't they also in the sequels? Like some reference to the Dathomir witches in the sequel trilogy? I think yeah, there was yeah there was a reference. I think in uh, it was it in Roger Skywalker. As I going through and watching this stuff with with my stepson, I'll rewatch. But you know. I kind of, even buying hot toys, I'm like, eh, the sequel. Maul is actually the male of that of that species. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Maul is the reference to the male of that sequence? He's a male of the same species from Daphne. Um, but, but anyway, so, you know, so I, I really like that about, about this series. I like that they did that stuff. You know, and look, my, my main complaints sort of line up a lot of Star Wars stuff. Sometimes it's simplistic. You know, it's mm-hmm. the same thing. I mean, you know... Uh, you know, um, what, what's her name? Um, yeah, I would just want to say that I think Andrea Hammond in the comments is right, that the reference to the Dothamir, which has actually happened in either Mandalorian Season 2 or it happened in Book of Boba Fett. I think it happened in one of the Disney Plus series, the Dothamir Witches. Well, no, I'm just saying that, you know, in, in um, Episode 5, when um, Indira Varma's character gets killed, th- that sequence, was like, you saw it coming, but it, it was a bit like, all right, and she's going to save him, and she's going to hold the grenade, and, you know. Yeah. I think you got to do that stuff. Yeah, it's just I think that's I love it. That that's that, that's the Star Wars of it. It's a little it's always a little hokey. It's not, you know, it's it's never if it was the absolute best writing in the world, would it really feel like Star Wars, you know? Like sometimes it's just supposed to be it's more about it's thematic, you know? Her droid buddy was awesome. You know, and it's the, the callback that, you know, it's K2SO again, right? Yeah, it felt like K2SO and I I I loved that droid and I, I yeah. in, Talus sacrifice. I loved that scene, and I loved the "May the Force be with you" stuff. Uh, Vader not knowing that Reva was going to betray him. Vader knew though, right? Because the Inquisitor comes in, and it's so. And, and by the way, and that's an interesting idea. So, you know, people go, well, "What do you mean he knew all along?" Well, their idea is really simple. Vader's so secure in his power in the Force that he's not worried about her, but he knows she has hate. Well, hate's something he can use. That's the whole notion of you know, she's Force sensitive. So she hates him so much. Great. And she's planning on killing him all this time. In the meantime, she's hunting people down for them. Right. She's a useful tool. It's sort of ingenious, you know, and it's sort of, to me, it's worthy of Palpatine, you know? And he knows. He knows. Like, hey, he's always I can he's take known her. From, from day one, it's always been coming. And he's so powerful. And it reminds me of that thing back in um, episode two about, you know, Anakin senses and Obi-Wan's arguing with him. The beginning, you know, when when they're when, uh, trying to assassinate Padme, right? You know, mm-hmm. his senses, he, his back is turned, doesn't matter. He's fully aware of where the lightsaber is, you know? Yeah, and I got to tell you, that Kenobi and Anakin training flashback that we get in episode five, I actually loved that. I loved yeah, it. I loved it, and I love how it's a precursor to, I'm just going to say that episode six, the from the moment that Obi-Wan goes to that planet to battle Vader, this is what that series was made for. This is where we really get Deb Chow shining. Every frame from that sequence. I love that. I love that. Is, it's a Ralph McQuarrie painting. 
every frame was awesome. The red and blue stuff going on in that sequence, the the grandeur of it was Star Wars. And we I th- I liked this sequence. I liked the fight between Kenobi and Vader in episode 6 more than I like anything in the sequel trilogy. It, this is that that sequence of Star Wars, and there's multiple sequences to it. We can talk about the dumminess of like leaving Kenobi alive or leading leaving Vader alive. Well, that's that. even, I mean, it's dumb, but it's literally well, that it's what has to happen because it has to be that you know the notion that oh, the last time I saw you, I was still a learner. You know, now I'm a master. I mean, now it's nine years later. He's learned his lessons. You know, um, because because he got cocky. And there's a great meme going around. I think I sent you that made me laugh that, oh, he had the high ground and he threw it on. It. <laughs> you know, he literally tore the high ground apart and crumbled it down. Like, you know, like. I, uh, I, Vader got cocky. Yeah. But I think exactly. Obi-Wan's lesson, and he repeats it with Reva on Tatooine a few moments later, is that mercy is how you win. And that goes back to the, that goes back to the fight in the back in the, in the flashback of episode five where Kenobi and Anakin are training and Anakin thinks that he has Kenobi beat and he's cocky again, just like he is when he drops a bunch of rocks on him. This stuff was so good. And I loved the sequence. This, if I'm going to revisit the series, the series, this is the, mo- these are the moments I'm going to revisit. The Tatooine stuff was cool. It was good to see the Lars kicking some ass, but um, about down to the injuring his knee, he injures his knee. Because he has a bad knee in episode four. But uh, the scene that is one of my top five Star Wars scenes comes in this episode. And that's when Hayden gets to shine acting with just one eye in that smashed helmet scene is so it's fantastic. It's some of the best stuff he's done in, in, in any of this. You know, in, it outshines anything he did in episode two and episode three. Yes. And it goes back to the actor that I think should still be working. I mean, you see him in Shattered Glass. You see him in Life is a House. I think Hayden Christensen's an awesome actor. And the, the, sometimes it's the curse of the Star Wars stuff where if the you know if you're not getting the right direction or the right material, sometimes it dents you. But Deb Chow took that stuff, and I, I love that scene so much between the two of them. It was painful. I want a Vader show. You know, they, they've done some really great comics that are canon that really get into things about you know, what life is Vader, the emperor, there's all these sycophants, there's all kinds of people all around the emperor, regular things of people trying to assassinate Vader, him, you know, uncovering plots. They've done these comics already. It doesn't matter. You know, there's, because there's always more of them, you know, Mm -hmm. different time. I mean, you have the 10 years before this, you have the nine years after, I mean, there's so much room for so many really cool stories. And the interesting thing about having it be like assassination plots and things like that is, because Vader's your antihero, but you can actually root for him when he's up against someone else who's bad. Um, in the current comic, they actually have um, a storyline going where a, a an old handmaiden of um, Padme's has pulled him in, and she actually has him doing some things that are sort of good, you know, in in furtherance of other things, you know, because remember, he's still it's about order. He's not evil for evil's sake. You know, he's not necessarily looking to do evil per se as much as he's been corrupted. So, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, the Tatooine stuff, again, you get uh, Obi-Wan reiterating to Reva that you win through mercy. Reva seems redeemed. We're going to see we're going to see more of her, right? Let's discuss her motivations for a second. Um, she finds out about Luke at the end there. I didn't think she wasn't going there to use him as a hostage. She was going there to kill him. 
in her mind, in her warped, damaged mind, was revenge. She was there to kill Luke? Yeah. And that's where she flashed on, she, she's becoming him. She was going to kill a young one. Mm-hmm. That was for, for revenge. And then, and that's where she realized, what am I doing? Right. I'm be- I've become the thing that I've been hunting that I hated the most. And there's a user on Facebook saying, does Anakin know about his children? That's what I, he wondered all along. Does he just not care? No, he doesn't know. He doesn't know. Yeah. That's the whole point. When he, when, when Darth Vader finds out, because it becomes a, a thing, Luke Skywalker. Going into Empire. We all joke about the fact that, you know, all right, Luke has the Skywalker name. He's on Tatooine. Obi-Wan's going by Ben still Kenobi. Tatooine is not civilization. No one's plugging into computers that are going back to the Empire. There's no census happening. People don't know unless they directly know it. That's why it was actually really important at the end you want to meet him so that Luke later recognizes, oh, maybe he's talking about Ben Kenobi. It's all this hermit that lives out in the Dune Sea. You know, like I met him when I was 10. Yeah. Like that, that's what it is. Like that's just how people know each other. That that's it. But there are lightsabers buried. There's like 30 lightsabers buried in the in yeah, I the mean, Dune Sea. Everybody buries lightsabers. If you were in the Dune Sea, like you probably kick a lightsaber and dent your toe. I mean, just, it, 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 that's just the place you go to bury lightsabers. You just bury lightsabers out there. <laughs> they should be doing kyber mining there, right? <laughs> Look at all these crystals we found. This is amazing. Um, so, Ian, <laughs> wrapping this stuff up, uh, we got to talk about the cameo that I was so excited wasn't spoiled for me. We're going to spoil it here. Palpatine? But <laughs> the Palpatine was good when he's like, bro, forget about her, man. Uh, you, bro. I got you, bro. You don't need Obi-Wan. Get over it, bro. Uh, we got to talk about Qui-Gon, how good that felt. I mean, listen, you knew he was coming. He had to come. I did not. The whole show, we kept calling out master, master, you know. I know. I thought they were going to get it with a voice, but holy shit. How good did that feel when you saw him? I just love the line, you know, I've always been here. You just you weren't ready to listen. Yes, that is actually a fantastic line because it is the series. Yeah. That was the purpose for this Obi-Wan series. And when you talk about whether or not we needed an Obi-Wan series, obviously, like, you can argue, no, we didn't need an Obi-Wan series. That line specifically, and yes, there's the justifications and little course corrections for all the lines we get later in the episodes and before. Uh, that line made it personal and made it a justification for re-exploring this character again. It was him learning to listen. And I loved that. That was, that was a scene that really put a bow on the entire series and put it in the, along with that fight scene in episode six, like just put it in, Hey, Jonathan, this is top five star Wars for you. And right now, big Yanks in New York who thinks I hate star Wars is probably losing his mind. And because he uh, was expecting me to, I think dunk on this series, but that episode six and then episode four or five, those things really, I loved every single one of them. If they had brought back that cheapskate Jawa, chef's kiss, it would have been the perfect Star Wars for me, you know, and Babu Freak. If Babu Freak had shown up, I, yeah. But yeah, I agree with you. I think the latter half of this series, it just keeps getting better and better. Well, Ian, any last thoughts on this? Where do we think we're going to see Reva again? I think is the main question. The buzz is, I mean, listen, they, they set it up. The buzz is they're developing a show for her that's not been announced, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and 
to be clear, the idea that there were people that didn't like her, I don't think that many people. I just think the haters have a big voice. You know, that's true. Um, I agree. I'd watch. Oh, we're gonna watch. We're gonna watch. Uh, when will we see Jar Jar next? Because I wanted to see a little bit of him. Dancing. Listen, watch Clone Wars. Jar Jar's in plenty of Clone Wars episodes. I want to see. Yes, Clone see Wars our, uh, in there every now and then. I know, but I want to see um, Ahmed Best, our former Geekscape guest, back on the screen doing his thing. All right. So, Ian, we're going to see you again with Thor Love and Thunder. We're going to see that that episode we're going to record not in two weekends. Like, we're going to go see some Thor Love and Thunder here pretty quick, man. That's going to be awesome. And then we got Miss Marvel right after that, the wrap-up of Miss Marvel. We got a little celebration in July. That's the first time we get to celebrate down there in two, three years. Yeah. San Diego Comic-Con. We're going to be down there at booth 3919, Geekscape, and Ian's going to be there. He'll be a part of it. We're going to be doing daily wrap-up shows. So tell your friends to subscribe to the feed, share it with your friends, and let them know, hey, subscribe to this if you want to know what's going down in pop culture because these guys are going to Comic-Con starting on Tuesday to set up the booth. We're going to be in Comic-Con more than most places, and we'll be bringing you news every week. Uh, day of it right here on this feed so subscribe to it share it with your friends and let's get this party going ian thank you so much for being on the show dude of course i love having you on there um all right man geekscape us uh you know the drill visit nordvpn.com slash geekscape for your deal and to help our sponsors and of course uh hit that little like button on anything geekscape subscribe to our youtube and of course subscribe to this feed uh, on your podcast uh, apps, Re- leave us a review with five stars. We really appreciate that. We got some great stuff coming up uh, in the next few weeks, including later this week. So you want to be a part of it. Thanks, Geeks Gave Us. Over and out. May the force be with you. You're listening to the Geeks Network.